back to the newest episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also, the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by James Edward Webb. How are you today, James? I am fantastic. That is what I like to hear. Where are you joining us from? The great state of Michigan. Oh, very nice. How's the weather out there today? Cloudy. At least it's not snowing it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm hearing that in upstate New York, like tons of places. I mean, we're cold here in, in lower New York, but it's it's almost May and there's still snow in the Northeast. It's crazy. I know. Yesterday they were saying that you got up in New York, Pennsylvania was anywhere from between a foot and 18 inches today or yesterday. Insane. Yeah. My, my brother's on his way back from Mexico to northeastern Pennsylvania and is going to be coming into that much snow. <laughs> but anyway, stayed down in Mexico. <laughs> problem. He went to Mexico. I didn't. So he can deal with the snow. Enough about that. James, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, <clears throat> I, I'm new to the writing world. This is my first novel. I've been married to my wife for going on 21 years. We got married in Oklahoma when I was serving in the military there. I got out in 2007 after seven years in the Army and a tour in Iraq and Germany and all points in between. <laughs> so when did you start writing? <sighs> I've been writing off and on since about the eighth grade. And then I started writing this book in 2016. And then after I got done writing it, the fun part was trying to find a way to get it published, which I have to make the right call at the right time to the right person who gave me the information I needed to do so. <laughs> what, and what that is how I, that's how I found uh, Tuscany Bay Books to publish it. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about the book, and then I want to come back to, to that publishing process. Okay. The book is a Western. It takes place in the 1875 time frame in South Dakota. Um, I wrote it in a multiple po character point of view. It started off with about five characters, and by the end, I was down to two. Um, the main character, the protagonist, he's a Civil War veteran that suffers from PTSD. And is been dealing with, still dealing with the effects of war and everything that he has to deal with. And ends up meeting up with the woman that he was in love with before the beginning of the war. And ends up reconnecting with her through a friend that he had helped while he's on the path of a bad guy. So I got I got a few questions for you. First, what made you decide to write a Western set in the 1800s? 
I grew up on ranches in, I grew up in Arizona and California. I grew up on ranches, um, grow up watching John Wayne and reading Louis L'Amour and Zane Gray and all bunch of different other Western authors and just absolutely love the genre. Okay. I would imagine knowing just how much times have changed, you probably had to do a fair amount of research to, to set this accurately, correct? Yes. How, how long would you say you spent researching all the different aspects? Um, some for a couple hours, some for a few days, depending oh, wow. on, yeah, just trying to find the right information. Um, for one thing, be, people don't realize is at that time period, they didn't call it the Civil War. You know, depending on where you were in the United States, it was the Great Rebellion. It was also known as the Southern State, the 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 the, the War for un, the Southern State Independence. Huh. Interesting. I actually did not know that. So you just taught me something. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't until eighteen. The late eight, the later eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, that people started actually calling it the Civil War. Now, how much did your your own personal military background have any influence in you writing this? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, not so much as the, the things that I did, but more of kind of the things I seen. So it was kind of putting myself into Tom in the writing process. Got it. From beginning to end, before you started embarking on that publishing journey or making that phone call, how long did the book take you? I finished the book. I wrote it by hand, pen and paper. Um, I started in June of 2016. I ended just before Christmas of 2018. And then, um, took the time to sit down and write it out again on the computer. And so it was until June of last year that I was able to find a publisher. Oh, wow. Um, I, I got to say, first of all, my hat off to you. You're one of the only other people I've met or had on my show who writes like I do. I prefer to write everything by hand. You know, I find that writing on the computer gives me a little bit too much liberty to change things. Where if I write pen and paper, I'm kind of committed to that until I come to the, back to the editing process. <laughs> Pencil and paper myself. Um, and actually, this one, the Lego one, it doesn't even have an eraser. So <laughs> I'm with you. It, it, it forces you not to overthink it just to get the information out of your head and on paper, which is one of the things we tell most of our clients when they're like, you know, what's the best way to start writing something? And the answer is always just start writing it. You know, I had, I had one guy tell me that he says, 
write it. Don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about whether it makes sense. That's the job for the editor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true. You want to have some idea of where your story's going, but for the most part, yes. Right. Don't, don't stall your progress because you're trying to be a perfectionist. Right. And I catch that my, my catch my sometimes. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by pen for hire. One of the best things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. But one of the worst things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. Don't fall into the trap of trying to master the process on your own for the first time and think you can compete with authors who have already figured it all out. Let us help you put out the best possible book. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. So Tim, what made you, you mentioned, you know, this, this one phone call to a publisher. How did you find them? What made you decide to go with them? <laughs> Well, I actually called this one. Um, it was kind of like, almost like your show, but it was kind of in California. It was in California, and it was more a radio show. And so I called and talked to her. The and the lady that answered, I just happened to say, "Well, do you know of anybody who publishes first-time Western authors?" And she says, "You know, I do." His name is Jim Christina, and she gave me his phone number. She said, give him a call. So I gave him a call and talked to him, and he said, well, send me a copy of what you have, and we'll go from there. Well, come to find out, he is also, he's also a veteran, and so from the very beginning, we kind of had a, a real good connection, you know, we I talk to him all the time. We laugh and he's become more of a mentor than anything else. And so right off having that, that kind of that chemical, that, that one-on-one -on -one with him, I was able to determine, okay, I want to actually work with this guy. And so that was the beginning of it. And then what did that process look like from the, from the time you gave him your manuscript? Well, cause I ended up doing, you know, he'd, he'd read it over and I ended up doing a lot of the editing. And for me, the editing was more in the dialogue than anything else. And I kind of realized at that point, editing your book is like reading a bedtime to a story to a toddler you read the same book over and over and over. <laughs> By the time I got done with the editing and it was ready to go to the, to the printer, I had the feeling of why didn't I just kill this guy off and end it? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to keep reading this. Just please. <laughs> you know, and, so when I got the copies, you know, my I gave my wife one. I gave each of the kids one. And, uh, and my wife, it took her 
12 hours almost nonstop to read the book. And she goes, well, have you read it? I'm like, seriously, I wrote it. I edited it. I don't want to read it again. <laughs> I'm assuming that you saw the benefit of having a good impartial editor. Yeah. Yeah. I really did. And, you know, for that is something that time will bring to me as an expense I can't afford right now. You know, and so you take and over, adapt and overcome as the things are coming up. So tell me a little bit more about that. How do you prioritize what you're going to invest your time and money in when you're working on your project? <sighs> It kind of boils down to almost like a risk assessment. You know, if I risk this, what is going to, you know, is the benefit going to outweigh the risk? You know, is this something I can afford right now? Or is it something that I can take and do myself and be able to put those funds to something else? You know, it comes really down to prioritizing risk management got it um now in terms of you when did the book go live to the public it was released on february 1st of this year of this year fantastic so you are a relatively new new author yeah <laughs> Tell, tell me a little bit about how you feel or how you felt once you saw that you finally got all those years worth of work out there for, for the world. You know, it really didn't hit until I got my physical copies in the mail and I actually held the bound, the cover, you know, seeing my cover art, you know, and, and opening it up and, reading it all you know that it actually struck as now you're a published author you know it, so then it become a surreal thing it made me want to jump in and do it again uh, it's like you knew where my next question was coming so <laughs> what do you have in the works well I'm I'm after a few rough false starts, I actually got in and um, I've been about averaging about seven, eight pages a day on the next installment of Tom. Okay. And this one, he goes back home to Louisiana and after all these years has to deal with the events of the, of what happened to his family while the war was going on. So a little backstory we didn't have in the first one. Right. Building more up onto that backstory to, in order to progress forward beyond 
this one. Ah, so how many books do you foresee in general for Tom? Well, we sat down one day and kind of did up a, a family tree from for Tom and forward. And I actually, we're actually thinking about doing it as kind of a, like a genealogy type series. Okay. Because I have ultimately a, a, an alternate future that actually takes place in the twenty in twenty fifty, but it's a western that takes place in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. So it's kind of got some futuristic stuff along with the western end of it, but. It, the it kind of follows along with the the family line of Tom and Aubrey. So that's an interesting progression because as a Western writer, right, or someone who's who's kind of starting in the Western genre, as you take this genealogy forward, eventually you're going to reach modern time. Correct. That's correct. So have you, how much thought or how, what are your plans on weaving that together? Do you see it going kind of along the progression that actual society went? Or when you say alternate, um, are you going to be changing things? You know, I, I, I kind of – I kind of probably, probably will change things to fit the story since, you know, that's the beautiful thing about fiction. Okay. How? Well, my idea behind it is, is, you know, back in the 1950, the late 1950s, Westerns kind of just dropped off and Russia sent up Sputnik. Then it was all about the futuristic, the space age and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and and what, the Western genre never went away, but it's kind of making a resurgence. And so the reason I want to take and do like a futuristic modern type Western is to help bounce that genre back into mainstream. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think Westerns have gotten the synonymous, like it has to be late 1800s, early 1900s, cowboys, horses. However, that's really not the only elements of a Western. Mm -mm. Yeah. You know, uh, take Star Wars. They actually consider that to be a Western saga. Huh. That's a really good point. And there's even a lot of scenes that, that reinforce that. Mm-hmm. I love it. So if you... If someone came to you tomorrow and said, so James, we want a five book series. Do you think with everything you've mapped out, you've got four more in you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Any plans of starting something new outside of the Tom genealogy at any point, or you're going to ride this until. You know, I'm going to ride this way while it's still there. But I'm not, 
I'm going to build it up to where I could have spinoffs of various characters if I wanted to, or start something completely different and write under a name to, you know, a pen name and <laughs> start something different. <laughs> That's interesting. I know a lot of people who do that. If they switch genres, they have a pen name. I I've never been personally a fan of that. Yeah. You know, like one of the big ones I could think of, and I was it kind of stuck me as kind of odd was like Stephen King. Stephen King has a pen name. Yeah, when um, I want to say it's that his Dark Tower series. Interesting. I did not know this. You've taught me two things today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to write myself a note to look into that. Yeah, I I'd heard I can't remember that he got the name he uses, but yeah, from what I understand, he's written under you know. But then you think of stuff that you know, like the Shawshank Redemption, that completely is way off of where Stephen King goes, you know, with it and Cujo. <laughs> right, right. I mean, even I've read some of his newer books. I can't even remember the names of them, and they they are kind of more on the thriller side than the horror side. So personally, I mean, for me, if I've gotten my name to a point of household recognition, I'm not so sure I want to start over under a pen name. No, you know, and well, you know, I, I look at it like this. It, ever since he had that near-death experience in that car accident, his, his work went kind of in a completely different direction. You know, you end up with the dream catcher versus Cujo, you know, that was kind of way out there. That alien sci-fi thing. <laughs> yeah. One of, his, one of his newest books is, a, is about a hitman. Um, there was one I read. It's kind of, I can't, I can't remember the name. It's going to bother me. I have the book somewhere um, in my pile of books, but it was very much a mind. You know what? Oh Yeah. Yeah, story yeah. horror, but very psychological. Really had you thinking and disturbed. Yeah, yeah, almost kind of along the lines of um, um, James Cameron. Yes. Or Dean Koontz. Yes. That, and I think that's the sign, like showing your range as an author. When you can write a Western, you can write a psychological thriller. You can write a horror why not right yes you're gonna have fans who don't want to read across genre because they only read westerns that's okay yeah you know it it boils down to you know i write for myself i just share it with everybody that's a great way to look at it that's you know look at it because I started writing as therapy for PTSD. You know, and I decided I was going to try to take and do something with my therapy besides make myself better. <laughs> and, and from your perspective, how did the writing help with your PTSD? Yes. It gave me it gave me an out for 
some of those emotional aggressions, some of those days when I just get, you know, when when the Incredible Hulk wants to come out and Bruce Banner's like, no, you're staying in there, you know, I, I you know, like writing westerns, you know, westerns, somebody's gonna die. I get to be, I get to be creative in how that happens and not have to worry about going to jail. I get it. <laughs> I get it. My psychological thriller. There were some interesting deaths. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, and then my my wife my wife's like, dude, how'd you come up with some of this? Because writing it in a multiple character point of view. Even the characters that I kill off, you see their death from their point of view. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com, produced by Pen for Hire. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. While many writers are capable of writing entire novels without ever planning or getting writer's block, most need some kind of structure. Taking the raw thoughts out of your head and organizing them before or during the writing process can drastically improve quality and efficiency. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation on our author coaching services today. And now back to the interview. I like that. I always write from a multi-character point of view as well. And never actually killed any of those characters. Yeah. You know, it just, to me, it brought it a level because then you have these, these certain characters that you were kind of get attached to and then you kill them off. But that's just like anything else, you know, that you can't, I, I look at it like this. You can't have a character that you don't know about or really understand and kill them or kill multiples of them and only worry about those people who are front and center in it. You know, to me, you got to have a little bit of a connection with the victim in order to care about that victim. I, I think George R.R. R. Martin really conveyed that the best that no one is safe from dying. And the more you like the person, the reader may be pissed off for a little while, but the more it draws them in. Right. And, and then really their death is the only way the story can progress. That is such a good point. Um, A lot of good tips out there for everyone listening. If you're thinking about who to kill, who not to kill. Um, And I think it really, comes back to the first thing you said is that you're writing for you and just sharing it with everyone else. When you try to develop your storyline and your narrative based on what people are going to want to read or how they're going to feel about what you did, uh, it doesn't work. Mm. You know, I, I look, you know, it's to me, it's kind of like telling myself a bedtime story, you know, that I'm sharing with the world, you know, because I can't, I can't, I cannot write myself allowed to write for the audience when you have those who love it, those who are, eh, and those are like, you're the worst writer in the world. I'm not trying to please anybody but myself. 
one of my favorite sayings to use with people is if you're writing for everybody, you're writing for nobody. Exactly. There is, there's no book out there. The entire world loves, there is no movie. There is no piece of music. Everyone's going to have varying opinions. So you've got to write for yourself and the right people will enjoy what you wrote. Yep. You know, and it's the sad that some of them get out there and put out their opinions because they think everybody wants to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a choice to read my book um, and the choice to keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> yeah. My favorite where you see comments like, oh, I, I hate Westerns. I don't even know why I read this book. Well, then why are you even leaving a review? You know, I had one, I got, I've gotten one book review back and the guy, the person who wrote it says, I am not a Western reader. I don't even watch Westerns, but I decided to take a, a risk and I was real well rewarded in the hours I read. Okay. That's an opposite end. There you go. I like it. Yeah. You know, so that's why I tell people you can't, you know, judge this book by its cover it's my art no <laughs> is it your own art yeah i did the artwork for the cover oh that's amazing and uh but i i tell i tell people all the time you know you just can't judge based on what it looks like you know you can't it, it, the the secret is in that the first 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 the first sentence the first paragraph the first page the first chapter if you're not hooked into then by then you can run the risk of reading it and maybe develop into a a, a, a gripper or just might slough off and you still won't have any interest in it I I agree because that's another thing. There sometimes you can go and get it right by jumping right into the action. Other times it, the the buildup is warranted. Yes. Yeah. Right. You know you can't have an epic novel. You know five six hundred pages long and jump right into the beginning of the action. You, you know Lord of the Rings. You know. It starts off with, you know, but then once you get the understanding of why Tolkien, he built the world around for you so you understood the journey. Yep. Such you a point. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 one of the reasons, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to change things as I see fit in history. It's, 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 it's fiction. I'm not writing a, a history textbook, but at the same time, I don't want to reinvent the wheel either. You know, and so that's one thing I love about being a fiction writer is as long as gravity works, the rest change what you want. Make the world fit your story if you see fit. Or if you don't want to do that, make your story fit the world and try to make it work. 
just do it well enough that you convince everyone you're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, because I, I, um, I read one book and the, the way they had put this information in there and then it put a little, um, but they didn't realize that in 1994, an ex, uh, uh, archaeological team was going to find the remnants of this, this expedition you know, and kind of gave a little bit like they in nineteen ninety four they found remains of these these people's encampment, and it was completely fiction. <laughs> you know, so it, it it almost made you stop and want to go look it up. And one of my great, my one of the best examples of this is growing up in Arizona outside of Flagstaff is a a town called Two Guns. And it's a ghost town. It's, it's on the, the, the rim of um, Canyon Diablo. Well, up from there, where the railroad went across, there was a town called Canyon Diablo. Well, it was just a, mining, a, a railroad camp where they'd set up. They had it while they built the trestle across the canyon. They moved on. The town died. There was somebody around the early 1900s that had come in and actually wrote up, made it sound like this town was thriving. The only other place that was more wild than it was Dodge City, Kansas. You know, that they had had 15 brothels and 30 saloons and every night was a shootout and everything. You'd swear this was gospel. But when you dig into it, Every bit of it was completely fiction based around a town that had lasted literally six months. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the beauty of good fiction is writing it well enough that it's believable. Yeah, it really is, you know. James, this, this has been an amazing conversation. I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can find your book, where they can follow you on social media, how they can get in touch with you. Um, all of that good stuff. Um, my, you can get my book through Amazon. It's available on paperback ebook and hardcover. Barnes and Nobles has a copy for their nook. Um, or you can go through my publisher at Tuscany Bay Books and um, I have a page on, on Facebook um, and my email is jameseweb81 at gmail.com if you really want to get a hold of me amazing and what is the title of the book again Tom's Revenge Tom's Revenge Fantastic. So for everyone tuning in, um, either Facebook or on YouTube, or if you're streaming this, check out James's book, Tom's Revenge. Reach out to him on social media. Um, if you buy the book, make sure you leave a review. Um, he left his email address as well. We'll get everything in the show notes. Uh, we always appreciate when you support our guests. And James, I want to thank you again for taking the time to be here today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking all things writing with you. Matt, it has been a pleasure. It has been my honor to be a guest on your show, sir. Thank you very much for making the time. 